FM Radio for the Agile Community. www.agile.fm Well, today uh, I have Roman Pichler um, out of the London area in the UK here on my podcast. I want to thank Roman Pichler uh, for being here and taking the time to uh, talk to our listeners on Agile FM about Agile product management and UX. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks a lot. It's great to be here. Roman, uh, your website, and uh, because I, I'm German, I can say Roman Pichler. But uh, the website is just for everybody who wants to actually type this in. is Roman, R-O-M-A-N-P-I-C-H-L-E-R.com. And uh, Roman, you are an expert in agile product management. You actually wrote a book about uh, agile product uh, management, uh, I think in 2010 or so. It was released in the Addison Wesley series. And um, it's called Agile Product Management, Creating Products That Customers Love. That's a great title for a book. It's a short book. And uh, it's, a, it's, an, it's a good read for product owners. But um, in addition to this book, you actually have on your website, you have a section with tools um, where, you, where you provide like a, a, a set of tools for a toolkit for product owners. I want to talk about some of them. For example, the vision, uh, the vision board. I believe that's what it's called. Um, why don't you just explain the listeners a little bit um, what your ideas behind this toolkit is, why you put this out there, and... Uh, you know, how you have used them. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, great question. Um, I've, I've sort of spent quite a bit of time over the last few years to try and come up with um, tools that, in a way, help product owners and product managers in their day job. And um, that's really driven, you know, by two factors. One factor is the client-facing work that I do, um, helping teams, product owners, product managers, organizations, apply agile uh, practices but it's also driven at least to a certain extent by my own work um, having to think about um, what's the vision of a new product what's the vision of a new book what's the vision of a new training course what's the vision of a new website um, and how can I formulate that vision how can I express a strategy um, mm -hmm. um, and it's also something that I felt particularly you know with regards to the vision board that um, is covered in, in agile and scrum to a certain extent you, you read the traditional scrum books and they say um, you should have a vision before you start stocking your product backlog. But there's very little guidance, very little information on what that vision is and what else you might need. Um, so, you know, my goal was really to help um, product owners, managers, and myself in my own work um, to structure my thoughts. And so the vision, vision board is, in a way, a thinking tool. It wants to allow um, people to formulate and capture their, their idea, their vision, their motivation for creating a new product. So the reason behind it, the, the intention behind the product. Um, and then it really has three core sections of building blocks. The first one talks about the target group, the customers and users that you'd like to address. Uh, the second one talks about the needs, uh, the problem that the product should resolve or the benefits it should create. So that's really about the product's value proposition mm -hmm. um, and the reason why people should use it, why people should make a purchase decision. Um, it, it mentions the three to five key features that are necessary to create the value, the necessary value, and address the problem or um, achieve the benefit. And then finally, it briefly states the business goals. So the reason for making an investment decision for a company, uh, is it to generate revenue? And if so, 
um, maybe there's an idea how much revenue that could be. Is it to develop a brand? Is it to enter a new market? Um, is it to reduce costs? Um, so what is the what are the main business drivers for making the investment decision? Mm-hmm. And so I find it quite helpful um, to um, fill in those different bits and pieces. And as I said, think through who should benefit from the product. Why should people um, buy it and use it? Um, what it could possibly contain, what are the key features, and what's the, the motivation for the for the company to make the investment decision. Um, and that allows me then also to carry out a little bit of um, focused research and validation work. So, for instance, to um, research if um, there is an actual need, if there's an actual problem, um, or to understand a little bit better how the business model could work. And possibly then to create, uh, you know, something like a, a, a business model, a full-blown business model using the business model canvas or another tool. Mm. So is this, Roman, um, is this more like a tool for um, an organization who is trying to attempt a new product? Or would this also be this visioning technique? Would this also be a technique for somebody who is in the middle of a project um, and wants to, like, realign um, mm. strategies? So I originally created it to... Uh, built a new product, so for new products really, but um, I've seen companies use it to align different teams that work on the same product and essentially describe uh, major product releases. I've also seen organizations use it to uh, do portfolio management, and um, so it's one of those things, right? I mean, you never know how a product will be used until you release it and, you know, get feedback from the users. but uh, my, my, my general recommendation is that it's particularly helpful for new products and whenever you uh, make a major product update, uh, say you take an existing product and you try and release it um, f- to a new market. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's kind of good to step back and say, again, who are the users, customers, what segment are we targeting, why would they use and buy the product and so forth. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So some of these listeners uh, out there who are like interested in the role of a product owner, maybe they're playing the role, uh, maybe they're newbies um, uh, in this thing. There are some of those technique, techniques you just mentioned, personas, visioning, road mapping, and all these things, tools we'll find on your side and things you have used in your agile work. They're not necessarily um, were created with the agile movement. Some of those techniques were out there for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obviously, or I would assume, and I've used them in, in, in some respect, uh, adjusted to the uh, Agile world. What, what of the techniques, let's say somebody's out there, uses a tool, um, have used it prior to, to Agile, uh, maybe even on waterfall projects, and is now not sure if it's still a valid technique or not? How would you assess, or how do you look at tools and say they're good for Agile from a product management strategy versus UX? What, what are the things which make you immediately like this is a good technique to be used? Well, um, I guess my attitude would be whatever is helpful is good. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, take product roadmaps. Um, I, you know, I've, I've, I've heard people say product roadmaps are, are rubbish or evil and you shouldn't use them. Um, I personally have a pretty pragmatic approach. I think uh, they are helpful if you use them in the right way. And that's also true when you work with agile and lean techniques. So I think it's not about should you use a specific technique and a specific tool, a specific practice. It's really um, how does it fit into your work and how can you benefit from it? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you create a product, often it is useful to look beyond the very first general release and to think about how the product could grow. For instance, you know, if the focus of the first version is to acquire users, 
uh, then it may take you one or two additional versions until really the focus can be on generating revenue. And I think you know that's kind of kind of helpful to um, make explicit to set the expectations, particularly of the internal stakeholders and the sponsor. Mm-hmm. And so you know that gives product owners, in my mind, the ability to talk to their sponsor, their senior management sponsor, their internal stakeholders, possibly also their customers, not on the basis of a product backlog. Uh, and fairly detailed items, user stories, but more on a higher level and talk about product goals and a product strategy mm-hmm. and how the product is likely to evolve over the next 6, 9, 12 months rather than, as I said, you know, working with the product backlog in the details. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to roadmaps, I'd say just watch out that you don't focus on too much on features, that you really think about product goals and state those in your, in your roadmaps. Um, and then you also think a little bit about how can you define success and how can you tell if a goal's been met or not mm-hmm. uh, and use them essentially as a strategic planning tool. Okay. Um, the uh, Well, that, that's very good advice. And I do want to leave uh, a little bit the role of a product owner's area prior uh, to starting a project and being inside the project. I want to shift a little bit gears here and I want to just have a, a few insights from you around what product owners um, see when they look at the uh, Scrum framework, let's say they're being trained in Scrum, uh, they're product owners, um, they, they have to act out the role of a um, product owner within an organization, might be small, might be large. Um, Scrum itself leaves uh, product owners often with little advice. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. It's got to be a backlog, it's got to be prioritized. But obviously there's a lot of uh, experience and techniques involved. What kind of recommendations do you have to a product owner within a project? So more of the day-to-day activities of an agile project um, for a newbie product owner out there. What is like the, the basic things you would try to help product owners to become efficient while the project is in flight? Not so much about the visioning. Yes, yes. So I think I find it helpful to help people look at the whole in a way holistically and understand their responsibilities. And when I think about the product owner role, um, I, I believe that a product owner should look at the market, the users and customers, and maybe also watch out a little bit for the competition mm-hmm. as much as work with the team and the internal stakeholders. So that's important for me to understand it and establish that awareness. It's important to work with the team. It's important to be um, present in the sprint planning meeting. It's important, of course, you know, to be there in the review meeting and the retrospective, maybe pop by at the daily scrum. I mean, I sometimes say to newbie product owners, as a rule of thumb, spend about an hour a day with the lead, with the team on site, in the team room, at least, if you're not mm-hmm. co-located. So while that is important, then I think it's 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 also helpful to establish trust and um, a proper proper collaboration. It's equally important for the product owner to uh, think about um, sprint goals, think about um, who should be in the sprint review meeting, which technique should be used to gather feedback, gather data, should it be a usability test, should it be a product demo, Um, and then to analyze the feedback, analyze the data, um, draw the right conclusions and update the product backlog accordingly. Um, I mean, sometimes product owners struggle with things like describing product functionality and writing user stories. Um, but often I find user product owners need help when it comes to a more holistic approach and um, capturing the desired user experience, um, the user interaction, the visual design. And that's particularly true for, for, for web product or generally for mm-hmm. user interface rich products. Um, so that's an area that's sometimes neglected. 
uh, partly due to the tools that product owners use. Mm -hmm. uh, most product backlog tools tend to focus on, on user stories and epics, and it's kind of hard then to get visual designs or get some scenarios or storyboards into the tool. I mean, um, it's, it's just a little barrier in a way, and then sometimes product owners just forget about those other aspects that need to be captured or need to be um, investigated and validated as well. Mm -hmm. I think you just mentioned that with the uh, contact and the face time between the product owner and the, and the team, how important it is uh, from your opinion. Um, is there any, like, beyond what, uh, uh, what you just shared, is there anything especially true for a product owner in a large distributed environment? Is there anything special for that particular role? Well, I think when you when you work in a distributed environment, it's in a way even more important to be to be clear on uh, what is your product and, <laughs> and and who are the team members and how are you going to collaborate. I mean, that sounds very very trivial, but sometimes you know that's the first the first question that I ask when I work with particularly large organizations and organizations that are very distributed. That I say, okay, well, you know, you've got these product owners, or there is a product owner, but are you clear, you know, what product that product owner owns and does the product owner understand it? And then um, I think when you work with a virtual team or distributed team, it's it's nice to try and be co-located at the beginning, at least for the first one or two or three sprints, until you've addressed the key challenges, the key risks, um, the, key, the key assumptions that are in the backlog. And then I think it's easier to start uh, or continue working in a distributed environment. Mm -hmm. So my recommendation would be just be very clear what you're trying to achieve, what product you're working on, what your product goal is. And that's important not only for the product owner, it's important to really foster collaboration and teamwork. And secondly, try to co-locate with your team at least for the first few weeks or sprints, mm -hmm. um, again, to establish the rights, uh, collaboration, establish trust, and then slowly start to distribute if you can. Okay, so always like first taking a focus center approach as a team and then co-locate, even if you were co-located already um, prior, to the, um, prior to the project. But I think when you're distributed, I think it's, in, in particularly you haven't worked before, then it is really, really beneficial in my experience to spend some time together, um, essentially in one room, um, before you then, you know, go away and you work uh, in different sites. Um, and whenever a new product is created, a brand new product is created or a product is significantly changed, again, I find it really helpful to bring people together and sometimes literally incubate people. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, take people out of their day-to-day -day context um, and maybe uh, rent an office, uh, rent, rent a room where they are literally a little bit removed from um, their home organization so that the team members can uh, try out new things and they mm -hmm. can think outside the box and, you know, they have the, the, the feeling that they are allowed to fail, that it's mm -hmm. okay to make a mistake as long as we notice it quickly and we can recover. Mm -hmm. I think there's something, uh, what you also said was trust and you know, how people work with each other first face-to-face, uh, -face, you know, as part of the Agile Manifesto. Um, mm. But what's also interesting, correct me if I'm wrong, we met a few years ago um, in Germany. We both spoke at a conference there. Uh, so we had a personal face-to-face uh, -face encounter. And I think even after years, I mean, years have passed in the meantime, our contact here on video and podcast is very much different than if we would not have met. Mm. Absolutely. Yes, so, absolutely. So it's it's this, this personal connect uh, we have, and and that carries on. So I do think there is a there's a lot of value, as you say, by first having a group work together, um, 
even though that might be uh, more expensive uh, to bring everybody together, but uh, for long-term projects, definitely uh, a good thing. Um, in your book, you describe um, like a, a section is dedicated to, especially for large organizations who are attempting product ownership uh, with Scrum. You're, you're dedicating a section to how to structure uh, a product owner uh, in Biome and um, oh. there's some, some product owner hierarchies, uh, product owner teams, and so oh. on. Uh, Scrum asks for a product owner, one single person. Uh, what was your driver for that and what are your motivations for uh, large organizations who need a group of product owners where there is no single person of making a single decision? So, you know, it always gets tricky with the single... I mean, first of all, the single product owner is a, is a, is a concept in Scrum. Um, some people love it, some people uh, hate it. Um, <laughs> I think, personally, I think uh, having a single product owner can be beneficial, but, I mean, there are other ways to deal with product ownership. Um, and having a single product owner always becomes tricky as when a product grows and attracts more features. And, and you know, more than two or three teams are required to continue to develop the product. And I think, you know, that's typically, typically a point in time where you have to think about what do we do um, in order to make sure that product ownership is properly exercised and it is still sustainable. Um, and then there are generally two options. Uh, one option is what I described in my book, that you start involving more people um, and essentially several people share product ownership. Um, and a common way to do this is to create something like a product owner hierarchy or have feature owners and then an overall product owner or you have several product owners and then mm -hmm. a chief product owner who essentially is at the top and is responsible for the entire product. So you essentially say you've got some people who take a responsibility for parts, certain features or subparts of the product, and then you still have one person who is in charge of the overall product. Mm -hmm. An alternative approach would be not to distribute product ownership, but to start breaking up the product, or to put it differently, to reconsider how you define a product. And that's something that we've attempted with our um, with the launch of our website. Um, where we try to modularize essentially uh, a fairly monolithic website and um, define vertically aligned product parts so that different people can take responsibilities for those newly formed products mm -hmm. that are essentially part of a, a larger suite. So, you know, one way is to say we've got one product and that's a cohesive big product and we need more than one product owner to manage it, fine. Then you need something like a product owner team or product owner hierarchy. That was option one. Option two is you say, well, maybe our product isn't quite so um, tightly um, um, coupled or the functionality, the features aren't so tightly coupled. It isn't. Uh, and so we can break it up and we, we, we create new products and then have product owners and teams who, who own and develop those newly created products and they form part of, part of a suite or a little portfolio. Mm -hmm. So I think it really depends on how, how cohesive your product is. Uh, it depends on how much change there's likely to be in your product. Um, what is appropriate, but I, I think it's important to bear in mind that there's usually more than one option. Yeah, yeah true. And talking about all these product owners or potential uh, product owners, uh, we talk about we talk a lot about roles in in the process. We talk about uh, you know different kind of sized organizations. We know that the product owner is a role within the Scrum framework. What is the job description usually matching other product owners? This is a question I often get uh, out there. Is 
what what do you see as a is a typical job description um, in an organization to play out the role of a product owner? If there's any kind of recommendations uh, you have around it, do you see any pattern? Let's face it this way. Yeah, I do see a pattern, but I'm not sure that it's a healthy pattern. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a common mistake, I mean, that's sort of in a way an anti-pattern I see is that people say like that, you know, it's, it's, I think Scrum still these these days is, 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 is sometimes, or, you know, in organizations sometimes still uh, Scrum um, is, is driven bottom up. So, you know, engineering development teams start embracing agile methods in Scrum and then they look for product owners. And sometimes what happens then is that the product owners aren't product owners, they're component owners or subsystem owners or service owners. Mm-hmm. So the, the first the first step really, you know, would be go back to basics and say, what is the product? And in my mind, um, a product is best defined outside in from the perspective of a user and customer by looking at the, the user interactions and the user journeys. That should, in my mind, drive what a product is defined. Um, so um, for, for, for me, a, a product owner should 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 own such a product and um, should be responsible for, in a way, the strategic aspects, uh, the product strategy, uh, the product roadmap, the business model associated with the product, as well as the more tactical aspects, um, you know, the details of the desired user experience and the product functionality, the user stories, the visual design, and so forth. This doesn't mean, of course, that the product owner creates all those artifacts and all those bits and pieces all alone. Right. But, you know, leading the effort and, and being aware that that's something where the product owner needs to be um, involved and take care of. Mm-hmm. Well, I've seen, uh, I've seen uh, experiments with supervisors in an, uh, in an organizational structure where supervisors would take over and the, the teams right. would carry out. That was very often unhealthy. Um, so this, there's certain elements to, you know, what... What could be like um, the product managers? I don't know if they could switch into the role of a product owner, um, like these kind of things. Uh, I'm, I'm these not, are the questions I'm often hearing. Yeah. There's confusion about who should be a product owner. Yes, absolutely. And again, you know, for me, for me, you know, product owner means means it's the individual who owns the product on behalf of the company. So that's, I think, you know, um, a simple way to put it and, 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 and to rephrase it, essentially. And again, you know, it, it sounds a little bit maybe trivial, but, you know, the fundamental question is then what is the product that somebody should own? So what is the product? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then secondly, you know, what do we mean by own? What does ownership entail? Um, what rights does it entail and which responsibilities does it include? And as I said, I think, you know, the, the, the responsibilities in my mind is really to um, achieve product success. Um, and so look look out for, um, understand what are, what are the drivers, understand who are the customers and users, what is the value proposition, what is the business model, what are the key features and protect those. But also then, uh, you know, helping the team take care of all the details. And there's a lot of attention to, de- to the details usually required to create the great product. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but balancing those aspects, balancing more the strategic aspects with the tactical aspects, as well as balancing the market-related um, work of a product owner with the more, I don't know, I don't know in-house focused work, uh, engaging with the team, engaging with the internal stakeholders. Yeah. Right. It's a very so social role. That, that's important to understand and not just narrowing the product owner down to somebody who you know, is a product backlog manager, 
and feeds the team with detailed user stories. I mean, that to me is an anti-pattern, I have to say. I mean, that's that's in my mind not a product, a proper product owner. It's more glorified business analysts in saying this probably doesn't do justice to the business analysts out there. So I apologize, but um, so that's 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 a misunderstanding. Yeah, no, I I, I hear you. Um, your your book, the Agile Product Management with Scrum, is uh, four years old at this point. In our world, in our fast-moving agile world, this is quite a while. It's a, you're like a it's just an Olympic uh, rhythm here. Four years. Uh, are you working on on something else on a second edition, uh, new book or anything? What's uh, what's next on your agenda, Roman? Yeah, what's next on your agenda? So I'm, I'm I'm working on a book, but um, it's still in the works, and it's uh, it's sort of the progress has been slower than anticipated. I have to say. Okay. I've been thinking about reworking my agile product management book, but. Um, so much has happened in the last uh, four years um, that I, I I I felt it's better really to 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 start looking at new books. So I've got a number of ideas, but I'm a slow thinker and I'm a slow. Writer. So it just seems to take me a long time. And as you can see, then the books are very 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 thin. So wow, um, it's. Uh... Oh, but I have to say, I mean, I, I, I sort of uh, invested quite a bit of time in, in building up that little uh, suite of tools uh, that's available on my website as well as. Um, you know, spending time writing decent blog posts. So I hope that, you know, there's some new material available that um, anybody who enjoyed reading my Agile Product Management book um, benefits can benefit from. Yeah, do I do have to say, Roman, this is, uh, it's, it's very important that you, actually they just pointed that out. It's your blog. I was uh, browsing through your blog. I read your blog. I, uh, I have to say um, these are good chunked pieces of information you can take something away and try it on your project awesome keep going keep going with those blog posts and uh, I do want to thank you um, on behalf of the Agile FM listeners uh, for uh, participating and sharing your thoughts on Agile product management and maybe sometime down the road uh, we can welcome you to New York uh, to one of our user group events or uh, you know connect connect in person again That'd be great. That'd be lovely. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, it was uh, it was really good. And um, yes, it'd be it'd be great to come to New York one day. Okay. Awesome, Roman. Romanpichler.com. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Show Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. FM. Talk to you soon.